Yo, welcome back or welcome to the Educated Food Podcast. I am one half of the Educated Foods. This is Dr. J. And I'm your other half, Jarrell. Welcome back to another week, everybody. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another week. And like we say every week, like us, rate us, review us, share us out. Tell your can't fuck about us as we try to grow this Educated Food Empire. That's to say, tell your can't fuck about us. I said, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, sometimes English is hard. Hey, um, okay, and it's early in the morning. Early in the morning. Um, this week, um, it wouldn't. We wouldn't do. We wouldn't be higher education professionals if we didn't talk about what happened. Uh, you know, a little over a week ago. Yeah. Um, if the student affairs uh, vice president, who um, unfortunately took her life. So we'll um, we'll talk about that, but before and some other foolishness, hopefully. Uh, but before we have to that, how you doing, man? Let's check in. What's up? Yeah, man, I'm doing okay. I cannot complain at all. It's kind of one of those days where it's like I am glad to be looking at the plants and not the roots. <laughs> Just another day of taking care of different stuff. Um, many people don't understand, like. When you get into, and we talk about this all the time, right? When you get into levels of higher authority at the college, when you get into senior management and senior leadership and things of that nature, or even upper mid-level management, right? Uh, There comes responsibility, (laughs) way more responsibility. There comes way more of the muckraking that a lot of people don't like to deal with like fixing problems and stuff like that. Like literally I feel like we're the chief problem solvers when we're like upper middle management. Right. Um, When I took my position uh, where I currently am, you know, one of my peers who was in the, on the interview panel said it's hard being number two. And I didn't realize what she was saying until it started hitting me. When I got into the role and started like, you know, managing all the stuff and helping people manage things and budgets and this and that and staffing and this issue and firing people and hiring people and stuff with HR and stuff with finance and stuff with, you know, the students and stuff with this person and stuff with that person. I'd be like, it is a lot. It is a circus to juggle most days. <laughs> so uh, to that end, I'm good, though. I, I was built for it. We, we and we gonna get through, and we gonna do it with a smile on their face, and we're gonna keep our calm. And if things are getting on our nerves or whatever have you, guess what? This is not your life. The institution is not your life. You don't have to live this twenty four seven. You know what that that might that might spurn us into a deeper conversation a little bit later on an article that I just read um, yeah. on how to um, deal with work stress and avoid burnout. Um, oh, absolutely. Because it's kind of on the rise here. So we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, you might hop into that. We'll see. Um, I literally just read a story about it last night. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How you doing, man? What's going on with I'm, you? I'm good, man. Um, it's crazy looking at myself in this camera right now because I'm. you can't even see me. I got to fix the lighting in my new office. Uh, yeah. Something got to change. But um. <laughs> Need a little lamp or something. Yeah, I might have to get something, man. This is crazy. Our ring um, lights. <laughs> I'm good. You know, yo, 
this last what two weeks, two three weeks since I've started the new gig, you know, being mm-hmm. closer to home, being able to be present when my daughters are getting ready for school or we're getting ready to drop them off at their grandparents in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Yo, I fucking love being a dad. <laughs> um, I love being a husband, right? Like, I think I'll be a dope stay at home father. Like, I really do. Okay, because, fair enough. Because I wake up super early in the morning, right? So before my girls wake up, like I already could, I already got breakfast ready. So I just wake them up, take them to the table. You know, they got waffles or pancakes or just something like real uh, a nutritional breakfast with fruits and vegetables, like laid out for them as they roll out of bed and then get them dressed, doing their hair. Like I'm loving, like I'm loving that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I missed out on that because of my previous job, but like. You know, I absolutely am enjoying being able to be present and available for my for my family in the mornings. Um, so that that makes, you know, whatever craziness we deal with at work sometimes, like mm-hmm. not even existent to me at this point, because everything right now is just Kate um, being able to just be present and to be available um, in the mornings or, you know, if my if no one could pick my daughter up, being able to be available for those things. So like I'm thoroughly enjoying my time right now. Um, being super dad. <laughs> That's what's up. I love it. Um, I love it. Now, speaking for someone who has never had a desire to have a child, <laughs> I, I, I love that for you. I do. I love it. And those girls are, they are beautiful. Those girls are beautiful. And they got some, they got some personalities, boy. <laughs> and you can see it too. Like you can see the distinct difference between their personalities but how much they're the same as well mm-hmm. that's that's kind of cool yeah i mean and that's that's how they get you that's how they wrote people in they wrote people mm-hmm. in with with just being cute right for mm-hmm. one and then that's when once they once they realize like they got you with their cuteness oh yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's then they th- turn on that personality they start to plan they start to joking and then, like, once you're fully in invested, then you end up spending thousand dollars on them. <laughs> there you go. They, they know what they're doing. They know they know how to get you. Then they wait, and then they start asking for stuff. See, um, that's why I stay away from people, kids, because I knew how to like get into my uncle's pockets. And so, I feel like if I'm around my nieces and nephews, which is it's it's eight of them, they will get into my pockets, and that's not what I'm here for. You got parents. Sorry. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Won't do me. Won't do me. So I I might I might derail us a little bit from uh-huh. um just because as I was going through pulling up and looking for that story about burnout, yeah. um another story popped up on okay. my feed. And it's kind of disturbing to me. <laughs> um and it's Gypsy Rose. Do you, do you know of Gypsy Rose? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Who killed our mama? It's, okay, so let me stop laughing because it's not funny. Um, it's it's kind of sad actually, but um, yeah, like it's a sad story, right? Like if if you quick rundown, right? Her mom um, basically kept her sick. Yeah, like kept Gypsy Rose sick um, to benefit from people fundraising, going to you know, concerts, shows, travel, like all these things. She was literally making her daughter sick so she can reap all these benefits. And then the mm-hmm. daughter um, ended up stabbing her to death with her um, boyfriend, right? Yes. Um, 
So she went to jail in 2016. She just got out. Mm-hmm. The disturbing part to me of all this is the celebrity and the love that is like she's now spurned and turned into like some pseudo influencer type career off the back of killing her mother. Like what a that's world disturbing. we live in. That's disturbing. What a world right? we live in. Yeah. Like she's a like granted, she's a victim, right? Her mom victimized her. That's true. She's mm-hmm. also a murderer. Mm-hmm. I believe in rehabilitation, but this is so far left of what we mean when we say like rehabilitate people. Like she immediately comes out and like starts a social media page and gets millions of followers. Right now, the story is, is she's a front page story on people. She probably has an interview that I haven't seen already on like 2020 or primetime, like something crazy. And it's just like, we have now turned this 32-year-old, I should say white woman, mm-hmm. into a celebrity for killing her mom. And it's absolutely bonkers to me, especially when you have situations like the Central Park Five, where one of the young men, you know, just became a city council member and he got one paragraph in the article. Oh, yay. Congratulations. Where they were truly victimized and they were, you know, there was a hunt for these young men. Donald Trump, the front runner for the presidential, the the, the repugnant presidential primaries you know he put out a full page article like getting galvanizing people to hunt these men down who these children sorry because they were children all of them Mm -hmm. were children even the person who they claim was you know an adult at the time was only 17 years old so they were all children and they come out of jail and do all these amazing things and all that kind of stuff like that live normal lives and they want to contribute to the to society and things of that nature. One was a lottery one, I think, and gave back to some charities and things of that nature. One is now a, a city council member for New York, and that's pretty cool. And you don't see a lot of this stuff. You don't see them rallying behind these people, but you see people rallying behind Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who I'm not going to tell a victim how to get out of their situation, but what I can say is it is very interesting that you thought that killing your mother was the way to go and i i don't know that's the, I, I i mean i've been i've been hurt and angry with my mother i never the thought never came across my mind about killing her <laughs> i've been put into some weird situations because of my mother thought never came up should i kill her or not no, because the answer is always no. That's my no. I was saying, like, <laughs> no. so I don't know, man. It, like I said, it, it, like I said, like I was searching for the story. I see her face pop up, and like, even a headline is like her shocking journey. I'm like, huh? What? Like, she killed her mom, dog, and we have turned her into this like celebrity like celebrating it like her immediate release people were like celebrating her release and it's just like i just uh, you ever notice how none of this stuff ever happens in the hood like 
people in the hood would be like, uh-uh, no, you ain't sick. <laughs> Go to school. <laughs> we ain't got no money for you to be sick. Or even like, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe it speaks to like our inability sometimes to like forgive and let people grow and move on. But it's like, you get out of prison, you be like, oh, that's that girl that killed her mama. Right. Like, look, there she go. Don't talk to that girl. You know what right. I mean? Like, hey, stay away from her. You know she killed her mama. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it isn't like open with full arms and like this love. And for me, once again, I think, and I'm victim of it as well. Like, I am oh, a yeah. true, oh. you are too, like, true crime fanatic. Like, I listen to all the podcasts I can about true crime. Um, my favorite show, my favorite channels, like Investigation Discovery, like all these things where I watch true yeah, crime yeah. every day. But never once where I was like, yo, almost if I see Gypsy Rose, I'm going to rush up and want an autograph. Like, <laughs> like at the end of the day, dog, she's she's a murderer. Yeah. And she lied on her boyfriend. Like, let's not forget that. Like, she wanted him to go down for this. She did not want to go down for this at all. She lied on that man and said that he conspired by himself to kill her mama. When in actuality, that was not true. She set the whole thing up. Yep. So like, it's just... No. Nah. You ain't getting no sympathy from me, Doug. And you probably ain't going to get none from the hood. Because, one, you killed your mama. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> That's rule number one. You don't kill your mama. <laughs> you don't even let nobody talk about your mama. And then rule number two is, you don't kill your mama because you... Cause she faking that you sick. Like that is a, I, I, I okay. I don't want to say that. Cause so yeah, she, so she, got, <laughs> she does have an interview on ABC. Once again, I told, I knew she was going to mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a press tour. She's doing her whole press rounds. Right. Um, Oh, wonderful. And it's just, oh, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Once again, um, Gerard Mayo is the new New England's <laughs> coach. Right. And you said, Gerard Mayo. So he, he's a new New England Patriots head coach. He's a black guy who's going to be coaching in Boston. And everybody knows the history of Boston and racism, right? Oh, I oh. thought you said dry Mayo. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a point. There's I was a like, point. dry Mayo? Who is that? Somebody name is dry Mayo? Or is this like a, a nickname y'all call? <laughs> there's a point to this. Is um, this a black nickname for a, a non-person of color? Uh, there's probably some white basketball player out there in the the hood like dry mayo dry mayo (laughs) right that's my boy dry mayo but so because black people often get accused of making everything about race yeah right so they asked dry mayo about this in his um, introductory press conference. They asked the owner who who hired him about race, like because he's a black NFL coach. They're limited out there. Um, they don't really get these opportunities. Um, they didn't interview anybody else. They just gave him the job, right? Which never happens mm-hmm. in the NFL to a black to a black uh, coach. Right. Right. So they asked him about race and if race play. And Jarrah Mayo was like, "I see race. Like I see color. Like because if I don't see color, I can't see racism. Right." Versus most black people in those positions never say it that clear. They'd be like, oh, I don't see race. Um, <laughs> even there was a Michigan head coach to ask him. He was like, I don't see color. My white wife and my kids, like, you always got to throw out your white wife. But anyway, all that to say is we know if this was a black woman, yeah. it wouldn't be the same love and same fanfare. Right. And that leads us into 
the death of um, the vice president of Lincoln University, yeah. Antoinette Bonnie Candea Bailey. Um, she yeah. was the vice president yeah. of student affairs at Lincoln University, Missouri, which is an HBCU in Jefferson City, Missouri. Right? She died yep. by suicide. Yep. Um, and the reason for her pain, her hurt, what ultimately resulted in her dying by suicide was the mental anguish, the abuse, the racism that she experienced on her campus from her president, from others who probably walk around that campus as well. Like a flashlight at the white man as the president, but I find it hard to believe only one person pushed her to this point at her university. Oh, no. And as a black woman in higher education, that's hard. That that would be impossible to believe that it was just one person. Mm-hmm. And this is what she did her dissertation on. Yeah. Like her dissertation was on the difficulty, the struggles, the things that black women face in higher education leadership positions. Her dissertation was titled, My Sister, Myself, The Identification of Social Cultural Factors That Affect the Advancement of African-American Women into Senior Level Administrative Positions. Right? And she focused on being overlooked for promotions of advancement, being Mm -hmm. stereotyped, being discriminated against, like all of these things which affect your overall satisfaction in your job. So this right. is the one, and for those who aren't in higher ed and don't really understand like the organizational structure, there's the president, and then there's your vice president. So she's literally second in command. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. For some, that is the pinnacle of their career. They don't want to advance any further. That is the pinnacle of their career. Like for me, I want to be a vice president of student affairs. That's the pinnacle of my career. If I when I get there, right. Mm-hmm to get there and still have to face being stereotyped as an angry black woman, right? Unbelievable. Having your voice silenced, right? Having your credentials questioned, like the former Harvard president who had to step down because her credentials was questioned, right? Being accused of plagiarizing her work and dissertations, like all these things that happen to black women and then we see Gypsy Rose, a murderer, get out of prison <laughs> and have the world hand it to her. Like, you can't tell me race doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter when it clearly does. It does. And that was such a beautiful loop that you just made, like bringing it all back down to, you know, those particular things and why, you know, certain people have certain responses to things like, you know, Dr. Bailey, she was beloved in the community and I didn't know her personally, but I knew people that knew her and I knew and actually I know more people that knew her than I thought I did. Because when it happened, there were so many people in the in the higher ed community 
that were, you know, making posts like I was with Dr. Bailey. One of my best friends, you know, used to uh, call Dr. Bailey and consult with her when she was going through her PhD work. I was like, what? You knew her? She was like, yeah, like she was giving me tips and advice on things to, you know, think about as I was writing my dissertation. She wasn't like on my committee, but she was giving me stuff because my, my one of my best friends, she wrote her dissertation on black women's experiences in sororities. And so she was like, you know, she took some of Dr. Bailey's information about black women, you know, ascending and things of that nature and the difficulties in that um, and wrote about it in one of her chapters about ascending into, you know, uh, higher seats and higher levels uh, throughout sororities and fraternities and things, that, I mean, not fraternities, but sororities, things of that nature, and what those experiences look like, especially for women of color in non-Black sororities. And so that was interesting as well. And I was like, man, you never know how far of a reach some people have and how much of an impact that they have, even though they're not these celebrities, right? Like they, they impact people on a daily basis, like real people not just fans who are on Instagram or whatever have you who just enjoy the moment. These are actual people, actual lives, real people doing real things. And it's heartbreaking to see a woman of her stature, a woman of her magnitude go down like that. But mental health is very real. And apparently, you know, and one of the things that I want to make clear, because one, there was a when I first assumed my role, um, one of my folks, um, and, and of course, by law, I can't, you know, say the name or whatever have you. And I would never do that anyway. Um, someone asked, you know, could they take FMLA? And I was like, you don't ask me if you can take FMLA. That is your right. And so Dr. Bailey was asking to take FMLA in the FMLA leave because, and, and for those who don't know, FMLA is Family Medical Leave Act, which in which protects your job, right? It doesn't give you guaranteed pay, but it protects your job. So you use all your vacation, all your sick time and all that other kind of stuff like that. If you use all of that time, then unfortunately you go, you know, uh, you're on leave without pay for however longer, however much longer you need after all of your, your time that you've accrued is gone, but you still get to keep your job and it protects you once you get back for a certain time from losing your job because of being out. And so she was requesting to take FMLA because she had some mental health issues going on, right? She was dealing with severe anxiety and depression and things of that nature. And my first thought was, I would not ask anyone. I would go straight to HR and be like, hey, I am taking FMLA and here are the reasons why. I will have a conversation with my boss to let them know that, hey, I am taking an FMLA leave, and so you need to come up with a contingency plan on how my operation should be ran, or I can walk you through a contingency plan until I return. But technically, I don't even have to do that because FMLA protects you from doing all that, right? You don't have to create a contingency plan for how the operation is going to run if you're out on you know, your leave. That's your boss's decision. And so for me, I was like, no, you don't ask me anything. You just inform me that this is going to happen and I'll create a contingency plan for how your operation is going to run until you return. And that's it. And and people need to understand that and be aware of that. And, and that's, again, one of my challenges. And we talk about this all the time. My challenges with people who ascend through positions or, or ascend up the ladder way too quick and don't know anything. You have to have certain pit stops that you, you know, you 
there's a reason why there's different levels and things. You need to see certain things. You need to manage certain things. You need to be a part of certain conversations. And you just need to learn things. Read. <laughs> just read. <laughs> uh, and another, another thing, right? In addition yeah. to the leave that you are granted. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, right. it's legally yours, right? Also, know about your employee assistance programs. Absolutely. Yep. Right. And most people will just put it in short, call it the EAP. Right. But mm-hmm. employee assistance programs that your employer, once again, has for you. Yep. Right. It provides <clears throat> if you need an assessment on your mental health, you need short time counseling, any referrals, um, any coaching services, um, anyone you need to talk to. It's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Absolutely. Right. If you are struggling and dealing with something, reach out to the employee assistance program, EAP, which will provide you with resources and tools to help you navigate what you're dealing with, even at your own employer. If they're not giving you that leave, they'll yeah. give you a consultation with someone to make sure you get those leaves. Right. Like. There is programs and systems in place for your support when people fail you, right? And Dr. Bailey was failed not only by our president, but other leaders on that campus who Absolutely. sat by and witnessed the bullying that she described, the struggles that she had to deal with working there. And all of this came to a head mm-hmm. when she informed her president and leadership about her mental health struggles, right? As you stated, like when she, when she started asking for time to take care of herself mentally, things ratcheted up to the point to where she was fired, right? And she was fired and I want to get the, I want to get the language right in the, in, in the letter, but basically the president wrote, she was fired due to her continued failure to appropriately supervise her staff and continued failure to properly supervise the area of student affairs at Lincoln University. All right. What a mess. And keep in mind, that woman had been there for a while. She's been doing that job for a while. What do you mean? Failure to appropriately supervise. Right. And there's no concrete evidence of anything. Yeah. From staff, from HR that stated that she was failing her job duties as a student affairs vice president, that there was a mutiny of her staff after her. It wasn't. No. Right. It's it's once again, it's one of those things where. People in the workplace, particularly black women, because I've heard it so much and it's crazy. If you were to look at dissertations that black women do in this field. More times than not, it's about their experiences working in higher education spaces. And it's either them being looked over for promotions, they're being bullied, they're harassed. Like it's their very negative experiences that they have. And yet they continue to pour love into our students on these campuses while they are constantly being abused. I literally abused on our campuses. It's like I I don't know Dr. Bailey, but I know a ton of Dr. Baileys. 
Oh, absolutely. Okay. Right? No, a ton of them. I know someone that I greatly respect who had, who retired from her institution because she was tired of putting up with being bullied and harassed, being praised out in public, mm-hmm. right? being praised about in public, how great you are. But then when you get in that room, that, those one-on-ones, those, those um, unscheduled meetings that they call you in to berate you and tell you about how angry you are on campus, how you're not being a supporter of the campus. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. And it takes me back to a conversation that I was having at a leadership conference that we hosted here on our campus a couple months ago with, uh, there was a room full of, you know, students of color. It was primarily students of color from the community college system here in Maryland. And, they were just talking, we were talking about leadership and what leadership is and what it means to be a leader as a person of color. And so two of my peers were with me, uh, two black women, and they were given their experiences of being black women uh, leaders on this campus and other campuses and things of that nature. And, you know, how everything is not always rainbows and sunshine, how there is, you know, times where they're contradicted, how there's times where, you know, they are being undermined and things of that nature. And it's literally because people don't feel like they should have been the person chosen for those particular roles, even though they were the people that were chosen for those particular roles because they know what they need to do, right? Uh, And so I told the young men in the room, I said, hey, I'm speaking to the young men, particularly right now, not the young women, because you don't you all don't own this part. But the young men, we do have ownership in this part. There's a certain privilege that even as men of color, we have in the professional workforce that we need to adhere to, especially when we have leaders who are women. Or when we have women who are around us who are our peers. I was like, I look to my right of me and to my left of me, and these are my peers. These are my rocks. I can't do what I do without these two women by my side. I can't do it all by myself, right? And so whenever you get a chance to, advocate for women in the workforce. Don't let people tell you, oh, they just an angry black woman or they a woman of color who's irrational and da 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 whatever have you. Now, granted, some people do act irrationally and respond irrationally at times. That is not just indicative of being a woman, right? Men do it all the time. That's why the world is so messed up now. <laughs> but, um, you know what I'm saying? Recognize when it's happening and stand up for women in the workforce because, it happens all the time. And the men around her, I, I I question where were they around where were the men around Dr. Bailey that saw these things happening? I know she confided in someone. Or well, maybe she didn't. Maybe she felt she couldn't. And that's another problem. Having and also having women back in the workplace isn't after they've been hurt and abused in a meeting that you sat back and watched. Yeah walking up later and then offering support, offering assistance when you didn't do it in that moment. Right. Because we see that a lot. Absolutely. Right. After someone has been abused in a meeting, then that then the support comes after. Oh, I wanted to say what you said, or I, I wanted to say this. No, no, no. You should have said it. Right. Don't Don't tell me in my office now. You don't don't have my back now. I need I need I need you need my back. I need you to have my back in those boardrooms, in yeah. those conference rooms, right? When it's happening, step up for me. Then, don't tell me, mm-hmm. oh, what 
we should do when you have that opportunity. Yeah. And that's even down to, you know, my, my, my new boss is a black woman and some folks be like, well, I don't understand what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. I don't understand what's going on through our division. I'd be like, well, let me tell you what's going on and let me tell you what my boss is doing. And let me tell you what we're doing in tandem to make this thing what it's supposed to be and all this other kind of stuff like that. Like, it's just little stuff like that. Like, even with your friends, be like your friends who complain, you know, because you have those friends at, at work who you love to death. But some of them complain and they complain for no reason at all. Right. Um, at times and things can be going great and they be like, whatever, you know. And so even standing up for people in those moments, uh, even if it doesn't seem like it's worth defending, still do that. Right. But like, no, this is exactly what's going on. And this is exactly where they're going. And I'm not sure why you didn't get that information. But if you didn't get that information, here's the information right here. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's wild. It is wild. <laughs> it's, wild. It's, it's in it's in fields all across the world. Right. It is. It it's, is. Not it is. it's not just ours. It's not just higher education. This is happening everywhere. Um, and. It's sad, it's unfortunate, um, and it's one reason why, you know, people don't want to work. That's why so many people feel like it's better to be their own boss. Um, and I can go on a tangent about being your own boss because we try to manage this podcast and it's a lot of work. <laughs> right. I can't record last week. And, and, and the thing about it is I don't even know if either one of us realized because we were so busy. And it was snowing here. We had snow days and trying to manage that. And when you hit me up yesterday, I was like, oh, crap, we didn't record last week. Shoot. <sighs> so, like, and that's just us doing this recording once a week. So I can't, I, I don't envy with that hustler spirit to be run your own business. Yeah, um, that's wild. Because there's a lot of work out there, but I get it. Um, you don't want to be in these workplaces that don't value your work and abuse you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to go on another rant, but just one more thing. <laughs> just one more thing. Please value your people. Like value your people. See even the smallest things that they do, just value people. Cause it's not like, uh, it's not like we pay the most. It's not like these are the most attractive jobs and things of that nature. Give people their flowers while they're here and give them an environment where, you know, they want to be here. Cause guess what? They have to. And we're here more with each other than we are with our families. I tell people this all the time. I make, I'm, I try to make everyone who work for me and all of my place and all of my departments like fun. Yeah. And enjoyable. Cause we are here more than we are with our families. That's right. We are here 40 hours a week. That's and then right. we get two days on the weekend and then we right back at it. Right. That's right. Like the time that we spend with each other, the time that we spend in these offices, the time that we spend at work, needs to be enjoyable and if it's not enjoyable if you're not having if you're not having fun you're not happy then i need to reevaluate what i can do to make it better for you right so many of our college campuses talk about putting students first i'll tell this is my model i've been living now for like the last year yo we can't put students first if we keep putting our staff last that's right a novel idea right how about that we can't keep all about that and expect them to be there for our students. Yeah. It's not it's impossible. Possible. Right. So whenever my staff come to me with something I'm like, yo, go home. Yeah. 
Like, this will be here in the morning. This will be here when we go. Yeah. Right? Like, yes, it, it might cause a wrinkle or something. I have to figure it out. Yo, athletic trainer, you got to go because you got to deal some stuff with your family. Don't worry. We got a part-timer. Now call in. We'll give them extra hours. We'll do what we need to do. But you need to go yeah. ahead. Right? Yeah. Like, one of my team members was like, well, I'm going to try to get in tomorrow. I'm going to try to trench through the snow from, you know, Southern Maryland. I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, don't do that. No, no. Mm-mm. Wait till the road's clear. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. Stay where you are. You got your laptop? Okay, great. I'm not really expecting much, but do, do you? Mm-hmm. Right. Just make sure you make your meetings. That's it. <laughs> we, we need more we, we need more leaders and managers to understand that. Yeah. Um, but before we leave, we there's a balance, so we'll talk about the balance that you do need to have, though. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Because because <laughs> then you get a you can't be on the, at home on the couch eating Cheetos like <laughs> oh I'm sick <laughs> watching Mari reruns. No, that's who calls who calls in sick every Monday like you sick every Monday. Uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't even gonna go there every Monday, okay. huh? Because <laughs> those are those are those are headaches that need special attention that come from special people, and those special people might find themselves unemployed <laughs> eventually over time. <laughs> oh, but um, I don't know, man. I was I was gonna try to end on something light, um, yeah. like a fool or something, but um, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> so I think we're going to end it there um, there we go and we will give you a time to record again next week but for this week we're done so one half of the Educated Fools this is Dr. J I'm the other half Darrell peace everybody peace peace